Beast OCR proudly presents BeastNet Podcast, sponsored in part by GH Under's Performance Base Layers and supported by the OCR community. Here we discuss all things OCR related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike here with BeastNet. Um, I've got Tatiana with me. Um, for you guys that don't know Tatiana, she's a great person. She's actually the voice of the, the intro and the outro on BeastNet, so you, you should recognize her voice. How are you doing, Tatiana? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing all right. So for those of us that, or I guess not us because I know you, but those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, let's see. My name is Tatiana. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pretty, I don't know, I consider myself to be young, to be in the art and pretty. I'm 25. I'm from good old Oregon, small town, about 30 minutes south of Portland called Salem, and um, yeah, I've been racing this is my second year, so I'm still fairly new in the, in the racing, but um, just like I'm sure everyone can relate, I was hooked the minute I started my first run, so Nice. Yeah, I am. So, and you've done a few, I mean, I, I just saw pictures of you with uh, your sister Asshat doing uh, Ragged Mania. <laughs> Yeah, we just did the uh, the Rogan Maniac in Portland on June 30th, and then we are registered to do the Dirty Dash down in Albany nice. um, in, on the 14th of July. So. Okay, so you'll be doing the Dirty Dash while I, and I'm doing the train race up here, So because I'm doing the train That's race on the 14th. Yeah. In Olympia, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh. See, I did the Dirty Dash in Olympia at the same place last weekend. <laughs> So, oh, really? Yeah. The so same place funny. in Olympia. I'm excited. I'm, I've never done the Dirty Dash before, so I'm pretty excited. I'm looking forward to it as always. You know, I, don't know race, I don't know what it's like down there, but up here it is the muddiest race I think I've ever done. Really? I mean, it is yeah. pure mud. I mean, there's just yeah. parts where it's like you're stepping and you're like, I don't, this mud feels weird. I don't like it, but I'm going to keep going anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, beautiful. Good. I love it. Yeah. So, and for those of you listeners that caught it, yes, I did call, call her sister Asshat. Her sister's name is actually Alyssa, right, Alyssa? Yes, it is Alyssa. Okay. There's a funny backstory to that. She's my little sister, and of course, as siblings are, I love to pick on her. So when I introduced you, Mike, to her and a couple other people, um, I introduced her as Asshat, and so I just yeah. do my best to have everyone call her Asshat funny. <laughs> yeah, so so I took up, make sure, of course, I keep it going, too, because that's my kind of humor as well, and I call her asshat every time I see her, so, yeah. Yeah, it's good humor. It's great. It's fun. So and she loves it, too. So. She seems like a good sport. Like I said, I'm, I, that was the first time I met her was at that Seattle race. Actually, it's the only time I really met her, but she was, she seemed so emotional at the end of that race, so uh, I was oh, think yeah. it's awesome that you got her up here, up here to do it. She's very, very similar to my personality type and um, just, you know, the same as me. I took her to her first race last year. She did uh, the Seattle Sprint yeah. and um, she actually tore her ACL shortly after that. So she's been out for a while, had to do surgery and recover. And so the Seattle Super um, was her first returning race of the year and she just had a lot to leave out on that course and, and um, she's you know, I think just as hooked as I am now, so I'm excited to see where she goes with racing. No, that'll be good because I know. Yeah, like I said, yeah. I saw the pictures of you and her together doing rugged. Now, 
I know you're 25. You said she's your younger sister. Didn't she? Yeah. Did she just graduate? She just graduated high school. I was going to say, I, I thought I saw pictures yeah. of her graduating on her, on her Facebook page. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that. So she graduated um, high school and you graduated college at the same time. That's. I did. That's yep. awesome. Hallelujah. Yep. <laughs> so, what do you have a degree in psychology? Yeah. So, nice. I have. Let's see, two years ago, I received my associate's degree in addiction studies, and then June, let's see, what day was that? I shouldn't remember, it was a big day, June 16th, I think. Yeah. Um, I graduated from Western Oregon University with my bachelor's in psychology. That's awesome. Yeah, some people call me a shrink, and I would love to take that title and make it less weird, so... (laughs) Yeah, I was going to make a really rude comment, but I forgot this is my, like, running podcast, not my comedy one, so I'll be good. <laughs> I'm used to it. Oh. So, you, you said you're, you're associates in addictive studies, right? Addictive? Yeah. Yes. Now, you you have history with that, correct? I do. I do. I call it um, lived experience. There you go. I like, I I like that. experience in that field, Yeah. Which I mean, you're you're not alone in that one, so. No, I'm finding that in in uh, especially in the Spartan community, I'm not alone, and that's something that's been rough because I, you know, like I like I shared at the start, I'm pretty young, I'm 25, and yeah. so to be a sober person now, it you know, it's been a journey to find people I can associate with my age, you know, that don't get into trouble. <laughs> And not to sound bad, it's hard to do because, I mean, most of us that have been through something like that, it was at the time that we we were your age or maybe a little bit younger and, like, came out of it. But it it took a while. I mean, you know, it, right. it's it's not something that's easy to come back from. I, I've, you know, like I said, I know, including, including myself, I know of a few people in the, the OCR community that's dealt with addiction in one way or another in some ways i think that's why we like the spartan and the ocrs because it becomes our new addiction oh yeah totally i would totally agree with that for me it's been it's been an interesting journey since i got sober um so i got let's see i got sober just over seven years ago um so for those who can't do quick math including myself um i was 18 when I got sober. So I was very young. Um, I celebrated my 21st birthday sober. I've experienced a lot of losses, a lot of tragedies. I've experienced a lot of life experiences um, sober. Yeah. And so what I've noticed through my experience of sobriety is, is that I do have, I, you know, I, for myself personally, I have an addictive personality. And so it went from drugs and alcohol to work to exercise, to races, and so it's, for me, it's about finding a balance. I have to, you know, I have to keep it all in balance to keep myself in check. And that's, that's true. I mean, it's one of those things, like I said, I mean, it becomes, there, there are those of us that have, I mean, we have addictive personalities. I mean, some of us do, it's just, it happens that way. You know, for me, it's, and I'm actually, wow, I can't believe it. I'm like two weeks away from three weeks away from being a year off of, of nicotine. You know, oh which my, is, uh, yeah. Nicotine is so difficult. That was one of the hardest things that I experienced was quitting cigarettes. Yeah. Yep. I haven't That's had so a, difficult. I have not had a cigarette since July 29th of last year. Good for you. 
So, and that was one of my last addictions. I, you know, I, I was a, I was a speed freak in my twenties. I, I loved speed. Anything that made yeah. me go. Yeah. So yeah. Part of it is, is, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I was, I'm allergic to pot, like exorcist style vomiting if I smoke pot. So like legitimately allergic. Yeah. Legitimately allergic. I mean, you know, and that, so in high school, you know, I grew up out in Maple Valley. There was nothing to do, but get high and have sex. So yeah, I couldn't smoke pot. So it was like, well, what's next? And I jumped straight up to, you know, cocaine and methamphetamines and anything that could keep right. me, keep my mind going, which for me became my huge drug of choice because I like that feeling. I like the feeling of going 100 miles an hour in my mind, just racing. But yeah, it, it's, you can't keep it up. I mean, you can't, it, right. it gets to you after a while and it becomes an addiction. You start using, you start making excuses for why you do it. You know, my excuse yeah. was I'm in high because I was in when I was 17, I was in high school. I was going to community college and I had a full time job. Oh, uh, yeah. So my excuse yeah. was, well, I don't have time for homework. So I would do a little bit of cocaine, keep myself up all night, do some homework, get schoolwork done, uh, you know. Yeah. And then yeah. it was like once I sobered up, I went back and read some of the things I wrote. And I'm like, this isn't even English. I mean, <laughs> Amazingly, somehow, yeah. like the final product would come out, like I could write really good papers, and they would come out great. But all my like up to that point, you know, the 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 rough drafts were horrible. There was like no English. It was written in the columns and like things like arrows going everywhere and little notes, page yeah. twelve, and yeah, oh. <laughs> nothing made sense. You go back and but you're like, you finally pulled it all together for a final draft. Yeah, you're like, this doesn't. But then the bad part was, you try reading it. It's like this makes no sense. And it has nothing to do with the final draft. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, or even like the original topic to begin with. Yeah. It's like you'd be looking at it and it'd be like some like all your notes are on, you know, like the, the helmet laws in the state of Washington and your final drafts on seatbelts. It's like, right. this doesn't, yeah. It doesn't correlate. It doesn't correlate, yeah. but somehow yeah. the grades worked. But, but you know, so you, yeah. I, yeah, I knew how it was. I always found an excuse and then it was just like one day I'm like, what am I doing? You know, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, it, for me, it was. I'm. I'm from a very small town in New Mexico. I'm from the south. Um, yeah. It's called Los Alamos, New Mexico. It's a population of like fifteen thousand. The company I used to work yeah. for did work there. I went down there. Oh, once. really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's a boring, not a very awesome type of town. But, the fun part is, is when you, you send know, people there in December and they see New Mexico and they're like, cool, I'm going to take shorts. And then it's snowing. Right. Or people, <laughs> a lot of people will ask me, like, it, you know, a lot of people associate New Mexico with Mexico and assume yeah. that I've lived outside of the country, but um, <laughs> super small town. And so for me, it started out of curiosity. My yeah. drug use, it was just out of curiosity. I wanted, you know, what is this like, you know, like normal average kids do. Um, but for me, it started at a very, very young age. And then um, from there, it turned into boredom. Yep. Because it's such a small town, and that's all there is to do. And then I found that what I thought, I guess, is that they, like all these all these drugs that I'm doing, everything that I'm doing is bringing so much good into my life. I have all these awesome friends. I have all these awesome parties to go to, all this stuff to do. Um, and then from there, it very 
very rapidly, very quickly turned into negative. It brought so much negative and darkness into my life so quickly um, that I, I mean, I got a DUI by the time I was 15 years old. Yeah. Fifteen years young, you know, I didn't even have my license yet. And I was already looking at a DUI. And so, um, and then from there, it went downhill for a few more years. So I was fortunate enough and smart enough and saw a little glimmer of light at the time when I was 18 and said, I need to get it together. And, and so came out here to Oregon after a couple of other terrible situations, but I finally made it and here I am seven years later. So. That's awesome. And, and that's just it. I mean, it's making yourself better. I mean, you know, when I was doing it, it was pretty much the same thing. I grew up in, you know, anybody who's in the, you know, Washington area, you might have heard of Maple Valley. And it was the same way. Now it's different. It's like Ritzyville and it's annoying. I cannot ever go back there. But when I grew up there, I mean, we had, there was nothing. I mean, th- there was one road that went through and there was two markets like at different ends of the, 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 the town. And that was it. There was nothing yeah. there, so there was nothing to do. And it was the same thing. I mean, doing drugs start off as boredom, right. you know. And then it was, yep. well, after a while, you start, you know, it starts off as boredom, but then you get to rely on it, you know. Because right. like I was saying, like for school, it's like, well, I got all these things I'm doing. I don't have time for sleep. I need more cocaine, you know. I mean, right. you know, yeah. so you come up with excuses. Yeah, yeah we all had our, di- that's exactly what I was going to say. We all had our different reasons for doing it, whether it was to stay up to finish our schoolwork or to be, like feel more comfortable in social yep. situations or, you know, whatever it was, whatever our reasons were, that's, you know, we then cross, you know, we cross the line at some point where we become, like, dependent on it, where we need it in order to get homework done, in order yep. to eat, in order to, you know, whatever it is. Um, so Yeah, see, I know for me it was... I actually started dealing so that I could afford it. Right. And that was where I think I finally like, you know, one of my girlfriends found me with like two keys in a bag and she's like, where, what, what, where do you have this for? And I'm like, how do you think I have it all the time? I mean, really, you know, but then it was like, all of a sudden it's like, you're thinking, why do I, why do I need this so bad? Why am I doing this? And, uh, my, one of my best friends who shockingly enough, me and him were doing, Races down a mirror, which I don't know if you've ever, yeah, you have basically just lines and see so you can get down the mirror the, the fastest. Yeah. We went through a lot really quickly. Yeah. And he was like 350 pounds, you know, five foot, you know, maybe an inch taller than me, but like 350. And I was 140 pounds. I was tiny. And yeah. he ended up ODing. Yeah. And I had to take him to the hospital and I'm sitting at the hospital with him looking at him and he's looking at me going how are you not in the bed next to me right because I was so much smaller and I'm like I I don't know but then but seeing him in that situation is what finally was like I need to stop doing this you know it's like I I can't do this anymore I mean it was just and I don't know what it was it was like because I mean he was my best friend from I mean we'd known each other he lived next door to me from the time I could walk I'd known this guy I mean he was my you know Amazingly enough, his name was Jeremy Leno, and we called him Jay Leno. But he, you know, big, you know, big, just great guy. And it was just like all of a sudden, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And he actually, it was the yeah. same thing. He ended up like leaving the state because we were about 17, 18 at the time. And he's just like, I'm gone. I can't do this anymore. I need to get away from the people. He left the state and said he like found an eight ball in his car and chucked it out the window as he was driving away. 
He's like, I'm done. I'm out. I can't do this. You yeah. know, and yeah, he's. That's exactly how yeah. it was for me too. I just had to just peace out and don't look behind you. Yeah. And for me, it was one of those things. And the hardest part I think for me was I always felt like I was a functional. I, I was functional because I've never been arrested. Like none of my parents knew, you know, a few of my friends, the ones I did it with knew, but I had friends that were straight laced that had no idea. And so, yeah, so there was no way of me, like, I never had that intervention. I never had someone come to me and say, you have a problem because I hit it so well. Yeah. And then, but seeing him, it was, and I don't know what it was. Luckily I was able to do it without like any rehab. I just like, I'm done. Peace out. And I, you know, I was living with my parents still, but I had a good group of friends that weren't into it that I could step over to and get away from the ones that, that. you know, that supported me and kept, kept me from doing it. Is it still tough? I mean, 20 something years later. Yeah. And I'll be honest, it it sounds bad, but I've told my wife, I'm not sure if someone freaking put a line of cocaine right in front of me that I would be able to say no right away. I think I would have, I would second guess myself because I liked it that much. Right. And, and, you know, it's amazing the thing, like, the situations or the things that we did, you know, yeah. like, like you said, your friend OD'd, I'm sure that wasn't, like, your guys' intention or no. that was on your mind, it was something that happened, and, and, and when I reflect back on my experiences, I'm, sometimes I'm just like, what in the hell was I thinking? Yeah. And at that, I mean, I wasn't, and so no. I wound up in a lot of really like terrible dark situations and um and and you know i think that for everyone we all have different different reasons or different you know like moments of clarity where we make that decision of you know like what the hell am i doing i need to get out of here i need to change you know whatever and so it's whatever whatever reason it is for anybody it's a miracle that we made it oh it is and i mean i think that's the hardest part though is you see these people and they're doing like things that are 10 times worse than what happened to you. And you're like, how are you not seeing it yet? Right. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a difficult part of my job currently, you know, because with, with my, um, with my associates in addiction studies, uh, right now, my, my job title as it stands, I'm a drug and alcohol counselor. You know, that was something yeah. I decided when I got sober, I wish I could remember like the day and time where I, I was like figuring out what I want to do with my life. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's it. I want to be a counselor. I can't remember it. But at some point in my early sobriety, I decided that I, I, I want to help people who've been in, you know, in my shoes or been in similar situations. And so it's been, it's difficult to work with people who have, who are in terrible situations or they're facing tremendous legal charges and yeah. they just, they don't get it yet. Oh yeah, it's no, it, it is. And I mean, I, I can completely agree. I, I have a friend of mine who literally, she has her two, her two granddaughters are living with her because her daughter won't get away from it, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, I have yeah. another good friend of mine who worked for me and she had an accident at work and I was like, Hey, well, you know, you had an accident. We got to go do a drug test. And she's like, well, I'm not going to pass. And I'm like, you smoking pot again? She's like, no, heroin. I'm like, cool, let's call your mom right now. Okay. Like, yeah. cool, let's call your mom. She's like, well, just yeah. give me a minute and, you know, I'll deal with it. And I'm like, no, you've got two hours until I call your mother and tell her this. Because I'd known her forever, you know. So it's kind of one yeah. of those, like, I'm calling your mom. So right. <laughs> we 
which sounds yeah. horrible, but you know, but luckily that friend but, actually, she's, I think a year in a month, it'll be a year clean. And she's actually in some like hugely immersive, like, uh, detox thing in Kentucky. So, oh wow, yeah, they shipped her over to Kentucky oh, and yeah. it's, it's one, it's actually, it's a year in, in the detox, like house, mm-hmm. You stay at the house, yeah. like where there, and then after that, they move you out, and it's like another year where you're still like dealing, talking to them, and everything else before they like yeah, kind of let you, yeah, reacclimated yeah. to society. And they send it, they exactly. do it all the way to Kentucky, so that way you have no escape. Yeah, <laughs> you you can't just out. like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and that's well, so you you don't know anyone over there. And that was it. She knows yeah. no one there. Yeah. So it's not like here where if she was even in Yakima, she could run out and just call somebody or, you know, hitch a ride back to Seattle. So. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's all I, I mean, for some people, there are some people who can like, just, you know, up and decide to quit in the same, you know, in the same house, in the same town, in the same state that they're from. And if that's the case, more power to you. You know, I don't know how you did it, but. Yeah. For me, I had to leave. I could not be associated with those people, with those places. And even when I was uh, when I was seventeen, I you know over as a result of some situations that landed me in the hospital, I, uh, my parents sent me to rehab, like a residential rehab. I was there for six months, and they sent me out of state because they knew that I would run away because yeah. I knew so many people in New Mexico. So they sent me to Colorado. And even there, without even knowing anybody, I ran away. And I hitched a ride like an hour north to Denver. And I just, again, it was one of those scenarios that I reflect back. And I'm like, what in the hell was I thinking? You know, what was I doing? Yeah. And so it's, I I was just one of those that I had to get, I had to leave, I had to get away. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people don't understand is, I mean, I can't remember. I think there's one or two states that they can but pretty much, I think most of the states, you can't hold somebody, can you? If they're in, like, a rehab, if they want to leave, you're supposed to let them as long as they're not a danger to themselves, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. they can't, like, physically restrain you. Yeah. They have to let you. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what a lot of people... That was exactly it with me. Yeah, people don't realize. They think, oh, well, they're in rehab, they'll be clean. No, they go to rehab, and then they're like, yeah, I don't want to do this, and they walk outside and walk away. Right, and something that I've learned... Oh, I mean, even, you know, seven years in, I'm still learning that it's, it's not, it wasn't a decision of like, I'm not going to do drugs and that's it and it'll be that easy. It is a daily battle. It's oh, it a is. daily choice and it's, it takes constant work. Oh, I agree. Yeah. It's like I said, I really honestly don't know if someone walked up to me and handed me a line of cocaine if I if I would say no. I, I hope I hope that I would. I really feel that I would. But I I know that urge would still be there to be like, you remember how it feels. You know? Oh yeah. And that's something that like I you know, when I as I work with, you know, my clients and everything in, in at my job is something that I personally, I myself, um and maybe it's associated with my age and and my age group and what everyone else my age does. I mean, let's face it, a lot of kids, or, you know, a lot of people at this time of their life are out partying. Yeah. You know, they're enjoying their 21st birthday and going to Mexico or Florida for spring break or, you know, whatever the heck it is that they're doing. And so when I associate 
associate with a lot of people my age, there is, you know, I have been in situations where, you know, people were drinking alcohol, or I've been to, I've found myself at parties where, yeah, they were doing drugs, they were doing substances, and and for me, I've been so fortunate and and strong and willpower to use. I can still hang out, I can still be up till like four in the morning, but I'm, I'm the one I'm the one with the rock star, you know, I drink energy drinks now, that's my thing, or yep. I, I just tell everyone that I'm the, I'm, I'm a good friend because I can, I'm like a permanent designated driver, you know, and so, it's something that I, it's not like I would go out and encourage everyone to like test the water because it's not worth it, if you don't feel 100% comfortable in, in that, then absolutely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself in a situation like that. No. Oh no. You know, but it's good to be, it's good that you're clean and, you know, I mean, that you figured it out at such a young age. I mean, there's so many people that you see in their, in their 30s that still haven't figured it out, you know. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It wasn't easy. And I think a lot, I think probably one of the biggest hard parts for me, again, was my age. I just, and that's why even now I associate myself, I find myself associating with a lot of older people who have their shit together. Yeah. Um. You know, because a lot of people my age are still out causing a ruckus. Yeah, so still partying and you know doing all the stuff that is gonna yeah get them in trouble. Exactly, you know all the stuff that I did years ago. Been there, done that. I don't need that in my life. So yeah, and see that's I I can kind of associate with that because that was kind of me. I was I had a lot of older friends in high school and stuff. So I mean, I was. I mean, not to sound bad, I was doing all the fun stuff by the time I was, you know, 14 years old. Right. <laughs> so I was kind of cleaning up at 18. You know, kind of like you, 18, yeah. 19 was where I was starting to clean myself up, where all of a sudden a lot of my friends that were the goody two-shoes in high school are suddenly starting to dip into that. Exactly. And I had exactly. a few friends that would even call me for help because they thought something had gone wrong or whatever. And I'm there like, Oh my God, my heart won't slow down. I'm like, well, you did cocaine, dumbass. I mean, <laughs> what, what, what do you expect? I mean, <laughs> you know, Yeah. so I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's like you did cocaine and you're trying to run like a 5k. I mean, there's a reason why your heart's about to blow out your chest. You need to calm down yeah. for one. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I think it's I think it's funny that you mentioned you know that for you you were what you I think you said you were like a functioning you were yeah. a functioning addict yeah and and I think that a lot of people are really good like they develop those skills to be able to do that over the like long period of use um, but for me it was just the exact opposite I was like I cannot I mean I dropped out of high school I cannot hold down a job to save my life I cannot maintain healthy yet stable, you know, relationships or friendships with other people. It's just constant chaos. Yeah. Constant yuck. I'm over it. Yeah, see, that's that's not good. I mean, that, like I said, I mean, it was one of those things functional. I mean, it, it sounds really bad, but like I said, I was I was going to high school. It was an alternative high school, so I went to only went to high school for two hours a day. But I was going to high school. Yeah. I was going to, uh, I was taking, what, 15 credits at the community college, and I had a job. And mm-hmm. I was maintaining yeah. all of them. I had a four, uh, what a three point eight GPA in college and everything else, and going wow. to I was like the model like employee, and somehow I was that 
And like I said, that's almost what made it worse. It's like, well, why do I need to quit? There's no, there's no negativity here, but exactly. you know, and that was the hard part, but seeing one of my, you know, best friends almost OD, I'm like, if I'm able to keep up with him and he's OD'd and I'm perfectly fine with the same amount, what am I doing to my body? Right. You know, how, how destroyed yeah. is my body already that I can keep up with him without like negative effects, you know? Right. And yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, yeah. and I guess it's really weird to think that way, but that's just the way my mind goes. It's like, wait a minute, you know, I'm literally half his size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally. And we did the exact same amount and he's foaming at the mouth and in the hospital bed and I'm right. perfectly fine. I mean, there's something's wrong with this picture. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's a horrible, they're, they're a horrible thing. And I mean, it's, I mean, everyone, everyone experiments, you know, not everyone, but the majority of people in the world experiment at some point, but then there's people right. like, you know, me, you, and like I said, I know of a few others. I don't want to say names cause I don't want to like expose people who don't want people to know, but I've talked to a few others that I know have had the same issues. You know, we, we have those addictive personalities where, you know, we don't do things to a little bit. We do them to excess, you know, and that's, that's where I run into a problem. It's like when I lost weight the first time, I mean, it was, it became an addiction for me to work out and I wish I could get that addiction going again. But like literally if I didn't work, if I didn't run for at least a half an hour a day, I felt horrible, you know, and I would like not sound bad, almost go into fits because I didn't do it. I couldn't sleep. I'd like start shaking. I'm like, I need to get my, you know, and it sounds horrible, yeah. but that's just my, the way my mind goes. Once my mind thinks I need this every day, I need it every day. Right. That's exactly, that's exactly where I'm at. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's like, um, too much of a concern at this point, you know, my exercise habits yeah. and my racing habits. I think that, uh, those are at least good. Last year was a big, um, a big learning curve for me. There was so much learning last year. Yeah. It was, you know, like I said, that was my first racing year. And I think that a big realization for me, so last year at that point, I was six years into recovery. And it was at that point that I decided, um, that I was just not happy with what I was doing. And I realized that sobriety, for me, it's not just like, okay, I'm going to not do drugs now and everything's going to be fine. Um, it was last year that I finally realized I'm waiting around for happiness. I'm waiting around for my life to like be what I want it to be. And and so last year, it was, it was such a weird concept for me. And I feel like people look at me weird when I describe it or think that I'm weird. I mean, granted, I'm a weird person, but I yeah. always tell, like, it was New Year's of last year when I made this realization that I, I need to choose happiness. It's, it doesn't just, like, one day, you know, you just find it. I have to choose it in every situation that I'm in. And yes. so last year, I really made a conscious effort to choose happiness. And so a piece of that was starting racing. And, and going to more concerts and doing more things that I love. And 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 I gotta say, 2017 was the best year of my life. And and so coming into this year, I you know I figured I don't do anything different. Keep choosing happiness. And so far, it's been 
been a great year. It's been a great year of recovery. I've had to, I mean, even still, I learn a lot about myself and my addictive personality. And I think one thing, one of the biggest, one of the hardest things that even still I have a hard time with is, you know, like my addiction to these races. I'm yeah. legitimately like, I just, I want to book my schedule. I want two races every month. I want, you know, and so at the start of 2018, I had like this ridiculous goal of all these races that I want to attend all over the country and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, it's been, you know, we're what? It's the why. So we're seven months in and I've attended maybe a third of them. And for a couple of months, um, I was having a very hard time accepting that I didn't have as many medals as I wanted. And, and it's up until now that I'm starting to realize that life is going to happen and I need to let it happen yes. and, and it goes back to the balance that I talked about. I need to find balance, not just with racing, but I just need balance. You do, and I mean, balance is so important. I mean, that's one of my big problems that I ran into is, for me, it was all or nothing. And that was my biggest problem with my addictive personality. It's like, it was like with any drugs or smoking, either I was a smoker or I'm not. You know, it's all or nothing. The second, if I pick, I know, and I know in my brain, that if I pick up a cigarette today, I'm a smoker again. I'm not, it's not going to be that I pick up and I have one cigarette and I put it back down. It's going to be, I picked up that cigarette and I'm going out and I'm going to buy a pack a day again. Yep. And I think that's where like, yeah, that's where I ran into issues with the weight. You know, once, once I hurt my knee and all of a sudden I couldn't run for a few months, I went from every day running through at least 30 minutes a day, at least that was like the minimum to nothing. And then it's like, well, my knee's gone. So, um, I guess I can't run anymore, but I eat potato chips and do nothing because now I can't run. And it was, that was the problem with my brain. It was all of a sudden, okay, I can't do this. So addiction's over. So let's go to my next addiction, which is now potato chips and the couch. Right. Yeah. It's like a dangerous transition. That's how it is for me too. You know, I can't, there were, there were times in my early recovery where I sat wish, oh my God, I wish so much that I could be like a social drinker or, you know, I could just be normal or whatever. Um, but that's just, that's not who I am. I yeah. can't. And so I'm, you know, I'm in the same boat. I used to be a smoker and I know that if I, it's not just one cigarette. No. It's not just one cookie. Oh my God. I said that that's sweet tooth. I can't, like, if I have candy, I will eat all of it until I'm sick and I won't even regret it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's never it's just bad. one. So it's never just one. constantly. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's, hard. let's take a quick break and go to commercial and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more. Yeah. All right. Gray's Harbor Unders makes the performance-based layer clothing you want and need. Whether you work, hunt, hike, fish, run, or ride in the great outdoors, if you work up a sweat, Gray's Harbor Unders are for you because their unique dual-layer fabric removes moisture from your body and keeps your skin dry, even when the outer layer is completely wet. It's a base layer like no other. Get you some at ghunders.com. That's ghunders.com for the best performance-based layer you'll ever wear. All right, we're back from break. Now, we've talked a lot about addiction and how that impacted your life and is still impacting you and, you know, how you have to deal with that on a day-to-day basis. What other factors have, you know, kept you going? I mean, I know you have family. I mean, we've talked about asshat and all that stuff. Um, Yeah. I mean, what else has, you know, kept you 
going forward rather than going back? You know, I, um, a big piece for me, like going back to, you know, drugs are bad, I guess. Um, I think one big thing that's, that's kept me from doing that is a lot of, um, influential people in my life. And so I'm a very big family person. Yeah. I absolutely adore the crap out of my family and they're very supportive of me. They weren't, you know, at the time that I was going in trouble, um, yeah. which is totally understandable. Um, but I think that, um, there, my, let's see, my grandfather, my dad's dad, um, when I was beginning to entertain the idea of getting sober, I learned that my dad's dad, um, was a recovering alcoholic and he lived out here in Oregon and that's really what brought me out here is, is my grandpa and he, he took me to my first AA meeting. I don't know how many of you have heard of those. Um, I'm not sure there's, we all, we all have our own, you know, understanding or thoughts about what those are, but um, he took me to my first one and he introduced me to a lot of people in my current recovery community. And he was just really, um, I like to describe him as my lighthouse over, you know, this foggy, eerie lake of yeah. my life. He was my lighthouse. And um, so he was just a very strong pillar in my recovery. And um, let's see, he passed away almost exactly four years ago. A couple weeks ago was his 40 anniversary. He passed away with cancer in his esophagus. And so he's always one that I just, not even not even with recovery, but with obstacles that I'm facing in my life, I, I always just think of, you know, how, how proud he is of how far I've come and and the person that he would want me to be. And, and so that's definitely a driving force that keeps me going. Um, I would add that I have a an insane just zest for life. I'm insanely curious. I always am just, I want more. I want to do more. I want to be more. And so I'm very disciplined in how I push myself. And, and my school is a reflection of that. So I just completed undergraduate school and, and I'm looking into um, going to graduate school for neuroscience, you know, and, and, and holy crap, you know, saying that out loud, I never, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago, I never thought I'd say that, I never pictured myself to be here, and I, I, I just recognize all the, the accomplishments and the forward motion that I've made, and I just, I want to keep going, I love it. Oh yeah, I mean, you're obviously a very smart woman, and I mean, it's, it's amazing to see. Wow, that, that's, it was, oh, sorry, go ahead. It's been, it's been a, quite a transformation. You know, people, people that knew me in my old life is what I call it, my past life. They, you know, I still keep in touch with a couple of folks and they tell me how proud they are of me and, and it's, it's cool to hear that and um, it's just refreshing to, you know, reflect back on all the transformations that I've made, so. Yeah, and that's awesome to look back and, I mean, see see that you've been able to make such an amazing change. I mean, like I said, I, I've seen too many people go down the road of drugs and not, not be able to come back. Or by the time they right. did come back, they'd done so much damage that there wasn't, you know, it, it made it so much harder to come back. You know, right. be, being able to do it at 18, I mean, you're 25 years old. I mean, you've got an amazing degree already and you're going for even more. I mean... You've got an amazing life life ahead of you. I mean, that's obvious. Um, not just in I do, and yeah. 
I completely agree, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if that sounds selfish or not, but it's definitely something that I recognize as, as you know, all the hard work I've put in so far, no. and and I, I do recognize that, and you know, sometimes my self discipline, I do get like super hard on myself, and, and I don't feel good enough, or I'm not performing well enough at my races, or I'm not getting good enough grades, or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, bottom line. I do recognize that I'm I'm paving such a beautiful path for myself. That I mean, you are. it's overwhelming how many opportunities I have, and I'm just so grateful. Oh yeah, you have amazing opportunities ahead of you. I mean, you're you've, you're paving a beautiful, beautiful route for yourself. I mean, yeah. To to think you don't do good enough in racing. I mean, let's see here. Um, where have you placed in your last what, like four Spartans? Yeah. look at it too is seven years ago you wouldn't have probably been able to finish a race (laughs) so when you were 18 you probably couldn't have finished a race now you're 25 and you're getting fourth in your age group and only getting better i mean yeah yeah you're just getting better and i mean i i'm i i imagine that you you'll be on a podium before this year's over I, that's my goal. I would love to have a podium for this year soon. And it's almost like it's so close I can taste it, you yeah. know, and I'm just... So when, when is your next race? Like I said, you're doing Dirty Dash. Yeah. But then when's your, when's your next Spartan? When do I get to see you podium? What month are we in? We're in July. So the next one I'm going to, the next Spartan race is going to be the Portland Sprint, I do believe. Washougal. Yeah. That's yeah, a good one. Have you done that one before? I did, yeah, I did it last year, and um, the funny thing is I ran it three times, <laughs> you know, going back to my addiction, yeah. got to run till I'm dead, pretty much. Um, I think that's the first place I met you. It very, yeah, it may, it very, I think it is. could happen, um, but it's such a fun course, mm-hmm. I love it, that, that race was so much fun, I'm really looking forward to it, 
And I love it because it's such an ideal location. Like for me, I'm down here in Oregon and a lot of my race buddies, a lot of you guys are up there, you know, up in Washington, up in Seattle and the surrounding areas. So it's a really ideal location for me to, you know, see all of you guys. Yeah. And, uh, so that's and too. that is one thing I like about Washougal is Washougal always ends up being like for most of the people I race with. I mean, you know, there's West Coast obstacles with Jesse and all those guys and, you know, the beast yeah. obstacle course racers. I mean, it's kind of that central location where I can see everybody, you know, right? like a reunion. Yep. So yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, I Washougal has always been one of my favorites. That's the first Spartan venue I ever went to. But I couldn't race in 2014 because I had 15 stitches in my hand. Oh, jeez! So I ended up I ended up going with some friends, um, and I uh, I volunteered the whole day and got a free race. Mm. And that's how I oh, ended okay. up that's how I ended up doing the Montana Beast for my first Spartan the next you know the next May. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's not where you want to start. That's very, um, I commend you for that, having your first race. Well, it was one of those things, it's like I told people, if I had, if I had done research, I probably would not have started that way. But I'm just like, well, Montana sounds like fun, honey. Let's go take a trip to Montana. We could spend the weekend. It was Mother's Day weekend. We're like, you know, we'll have fun and, you know, we'll go over on Thursday. We'll hang out. I'll do this little Spartan race. And then Sunday we'll hang out and do whatever and drive back on Monday. It'll be great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I finished that race and I'm like, yeah, this is stupid. I never want to do this again. That's so funny that you say that because that's how my first Spartan race was. January of last year, my friend Katie Snyder, um, for those of you who've heard of her, I will forever be grateful that she took me to my first, she talked me into my first Spartan race and, uh, Sounds fun, like, great. Sign me up, and I did it. You know, it was hard, but I did it for my first, my first Spartan race. So yeah, yeah. No, that was kind of the like I said when I finished. Though it was pretty much I had that. I finished it, but I, I pretty much I think my first words to Amber were, "Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. This was stupid. I don't, I don't like this." But then it was like, "Well, we volunteered yesterday, so we have two free races." You know. Right. And it was a couple, yeah. it probably only took like an hour or two of looking at that medal and being like, I earned this. To be like, okay, what can I use these free races yeah. for? What could I sign up for next? <laughs> yeah, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, that just kind of becomes the mentality. And that's one of my things is I'm trying to get over the injury to my foot still. And I need to get back into that everyday 30 minutes of running. I've been doing it off and on here and there, you know when I get up early enough yeah. in the morning and do it, or if I remember in the evening, you know, but I'm not doing it as consistent as I should be. Um, you know, I need to get back oh. into that so I can get, I can get back, back into your comfort level of yeah. working out back to my, yeah. and back and to my comfort what, level of running. Right. And that's so, that's, 
I think it's awesome that you bring it up about, you know, the injuries that you've experienced, the scissors in your hand where you couldn't run Washougal. And, and for me, I'm just like, I'm so fortunate so far in my racing career that I haven't experienced any tremendous injuries that, yeah. you know, that has sat me out for a couple of races. Um, I mean, I did sprain my ankle at the Salem Inferno last year, a week before the Tahoe Ultra Beast, but I still did it. And I just, it's, when I get, like, when I find myself in a bind, you know, like, fatigue, I'm tired, I'm working, my job is extremely stressful, and I'm going to school full-time, how do I find the time for all of this? I just remember that, you know, I'm grateful, and so grateful that I can run nine miles on a almost regular basis, or five miles, and, yeah. I, and to not be injured, and to not feel the pain yet, you know, I know it's yeah. coming, I'm, in, I'm open-minded, and, and I guess you could say I anticipate an injury at some point. I feel like it's bound to happen, but I'm just so glad that yet yeah and it's one of those things i mean eventually it happens to everyone and that was kind of my issue is for me is i want to get back into the running because once i got into it and got into that that mode of running every day i felt so much better and i remember oh, yeah. that how much better i felt but it's like i'll go run three miles right now and i'm like this sucks this is stupid <laughs> right but i've got to remember that it took me you know four or five months of running every day to finally get oh, to yeah. that point where like I felt better, you know, like, I mean, and not just that I felt better, but I got that, you know, I really enjoyed it. Like I, I noticed a different, if I difference, if I didn't do it, you know, and it's the right. runner's high that gets you. I mean, I never knew that. I mentioned it in earlier podcasts that I wasn't a runner as a kid. I yeah. played baseball because I only had to run 90 feet at a time. You know, I played baseball, I played tennis, I played racquetball, everything that was quick sprints. I was good at the quick sprints, but everyone's like, you should play soccer. I'm like, you want me to run around a field for 90 minutes? Yeah, no, that ain't happening. (laughs) Can I take my bicycle? I mean, (laughs) you know, and I was that guy. I I played, you know, sports that were quick sprints and that was it. Mountain biking, I could mountain bike all day long. I had no problem with my mountain biking. But for whatever reason, running was not my thing. Right. It wasn't until I tried losing weight again and I found running was the best exercise I could do, you know, when I was even bigger than I am right now. That was the best exercise that I could find and the easiest one for me to do. So I just started walking for 30 minutes a day. Then it was a jog. Then I was running for 30 minutes a day, you know, and it was right. that's when I suddenly yeah. found that I love running. You know, I don't know if yeah. I'd go as far as love, but I like running. <laughs> bring it up because I overall I love running too. Um and as as successful in my racing career as I am so far, there are still times where I I kinda go through phases and I call it my motivation. I lose my motivation to run. I don't want to. It doesn't sound too good. I'd rather sleep. Yeah. Is what it's been lately. I'm freaking tired from school and whenever I'm done with that I can work. But um so I I I would constitute it as normal that we go through stages of motivation where, you know, I, I don't want to run, I'm not about it, don't like it, doesn't sound like a great idea right now, but then there are time periods, and I'm lucky if I can keep these time periods for a long time of, you know, it's what I look forward to at the end of the day. Like, I find myself going crazy if I don't get at least three miles in 
at the very minimum. Yeah. And and those those when I'm in those time periods is when I feel good, you know, about my training and my running. But you know, life happens. We got we got to balance other priorities. So. Oh yeah, we do. It's just for me. I'm at that point where I need I need to do something. I'm. I'm getting the exercise again, but I'm not getting it consistent like I should be. And I know I, I know I'm never going to get better and start losing the weight again if I don't get consistent again. Yeah, and you know you got to start somewhere. You yeah. know, that's how it was. How it usually is for me. There are days where I don't want to do it, and I just talk myself. It's kind of like I trick myself into it, and I, you know, I have this monologue in my head where I'm like, all I'm doing is putting on my running shoes. That's all I'm doing. I'm not yeah. doing anything more than that. And then I'm like, you know, I'm just going outside. That's all I'm doing. And so it's something, you know, sometimes you just gotta trick yourself little by little. Yeah, trick yourself into it. Yeah. And see, for me, there's like no excuse. I have like multiple obstacles in my yard, like literally walls in my yard um, that I could be climbing over. I have a rope that I could be climbing. I have, you know, a pull up bar. You have to climb the rope to get to the pull up bar, but still. You know, all sorts of obstacles in my yard. I have a treadmill. I have weights. I have fitness bands. I have, <clears throat> I have pretty much everything I need to do a workout. I have big rocks. I have atlas balls. I mean, I have all sorts of stuff. So really not doing it is my own laziness. Mm. Sounds like I should come up and train at your You can come up anytime. Yeah. I actually have, I have the walls that I have is, I mean, obviously, you know, Jesse, but when Jesse, oh, yeah. before Jesse did West Coast obstacles, he had infinite obstacles. Right. With Chris. And when he went to go do yeah. West Coast obstacles, Chris still had all the obstacles at Chris's house. Well, Chris moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, something uh, like that. Yeah, Pen- somewhere in Pennsylvania. Somewhere in Pennsylvania. And when he did, he was like, do you want the obstacles? And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. So I drove over to his nice. house and picked up all the obstacles that he had and brought them home. So, <laughs> so I've got... I think an eight foot wall, I've got a incline wall and yeah, rope climb monkey bars. The monkey bars I got from Jesse because he didn't like them for some reason. So I, I got them, but yeah. Uh, so nice. I have a whole and bunch you know, of stuff. That's something, yeah. And that's something I've learned too, you know, going back to my addictive personality for a long time, I really had a hard time if I went on a run and it just wasn't what I needed it to be. Yeah. You know, like I didn't feel better. I didn't feel like, you know, whatever it was that I was, you know, I'm stressed about for the day or, you know, whatever it is, I just didn't feel like it was completely relieved. Yeah. And, and so I found myself getting so upset that I can actually remember there was one time where I cried after a run because I didn't get that satisfying feeling that I'm always chasing. Yeah. And I sat and I realized that I had ran hill sprints the day before, and then, you know, the day, you know, the six days before that, I had there, I had not taken a break or yeah. a rest day or anything, and so I realized that I'm fatigued, I'm overworking myself, and there are just going to be some days where you don't have a good run. you got to yeah. take the bad runs with the good ones, and so that's, you know, that's, again, a learning curve that I'm still working on, but... And a bad run is still better than sitting on the couch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's my thing is, I mean, I really need to, I need to use my yard. 
I have two and a half acres. I have obstacles. I have, like I said, atlas balls. I have spears. I have everything I need. Buckets. I have big rocks. I could, I could like do an entire like CrossFit myself out here in the yard. Yeah. And I don't do it. So that's my own fault. But yeah, anytime you want to come up, you can come up anytime you want. So perfect. Yeah, like I said, two and a half okay. acres. You can come play. The dog's a little mean, but whatever. Do you have any cows? No, I want one. But cows I don't have are pretty to look at. My, my, if you want, my uncle has a, a farm and he has cows. Oh, maybe we can go visit after yeah. we work out. Yeah, I grew up with cows, which was weird because I also knew the name of the steak that I was eating most of the time. So, yeah. Oh, gosh. I used, my brother used to hate me because I would tell him that. He'd be like, cut into the sink and I'd be like, how's curly taste? He's like, I hate you. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I can't eat this now. Now I know it's Dave. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, wow, we've been on the phone for almost an hour. Well, do you do you have any words of wisdom that you would like to tell our listeners? Anything you know, that Tatiana, words of wisdom. Tatiana's words of wisdom. Don't do drugs. Hmm. Just say no. Oh, sorry. That's right. Drugs are bad. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I don't know. I I would love to sit here and just like conjure up some wonderful like, wow, that's awesome. I thought you know something but like a punchline that sticks with me forever. But I just would encourage, you know, my fellow racers, everyone out there to just embrace the glorious mess that you are. Yeah. You know, you're imperfect, I'm imperfect, life is imperfect. Don't wait for happiness. Go out and chase it. And if, and if you're chasing it out there on the course, I'll be right there with you. Oh, yeah. Nice. So so I can look forward to seeing you. Any of our listeners in Oregon can look forward to seeing you at the Dirty Dash on the 14th. Um, That's right. Like I said, I'll be at Terrain Race that day. And then I'll see you in Washougal on the 11th. Wash. Yes. yes. Are there... Portland Spartan. It's it was the Pacific Northwest race when I first started. That's so what it was that called. It, it was called the Pacific okay, Northwest yeah. Spartan. Spart- Pacific Northwest Spartan. And then when Seattle got, yeah, Seattle got its own race, and then it became the Portland race, uh, which yeah, always cracks me up. Where Spartans are like, it's the Portland race in Washougal, Washington. Right. Yeah. Know. It's everyone, like Vegas. I, everyone I tell is like, <laughs> yeah, the Vegas in Arizona. In Arizona. Yeah. Which everyone's always like, I'm going to go to that race. Where should I stay? I'm like, St. George, Utah. Right, exactly. Yeah. They're like, why would you stay in Utah? Because it's closer than Vegas. <laughs> exactly. And cheaper. <laughs> yeah. We always will fly into Vegas, usually like Thursday or Friday, drive up to St. George, get a hotel in St. George, because it's like 25 mm-hmm. minutes away from the venue. And then... Yeah. Come- do you do that race this year? Yeah, I do it every year. Yeah. Yeah, I start almost every year with I Vegas. I last year. And- so did I. <laughs> Well, you want to know what they did this year that made it even funner? You know, last year where we had the the river walk, you know, it was what, like a quarter mile down river. They flipped the course this year. They had to walk up? So we had to go upstream. Oh, that's always fun. Oh, yeah. And of course, the water's just deep enough. You can't lift your leg out of the water. So you're dragging it the whole time through the water. Oh, it was brutal. My legs hurt so bad after that. It was like one of those things. I'm like, that was the worst thing ever. I need to go find a river that I can walk up. Because that was, it was the worst thing ever, but it was an amazing exercise. Yeah. 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 
All right. And on that note, I think we're going to, we're going to cut this off. <laughs> okay. This has been a blast. Bye, yes. Yeah. This has been a blast. I always love talking to you. So we'll have to do this again sometime. And yeah. if I don't see you before, which I, I'm, I'm hoping I do, I will see you in Washington. All righty, Mike. All right. Thank you. Yeah, bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast brought to you by Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. You can find us on Facebook or at BeastOCR.com.